Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Hey, welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Ben Harrison. I'm your other host, Adam Pranica. Tried insincerity. I don't think I like it. That was some real folksy intro when you did there. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Do we uh, do we open up another package of Star Trek cards, or is that a tired bit at this point? I don't know. We have so many packs, I think we should probably get on that so that we don't leave any unopened packs at the end. Yeah. Do I remember correctly that you have a pack of Star Trek cards yourself? I do. I have an unopened box. I bought us both boxes. Why don't you open a card? What about that? You want to know why I haven't offered to do that yet? <laughs> well, it's the, the reasons are twofold. One, if you had a Jaeger and I didn't, then yeah. I would want to kill you? That is exactly... That is reason number one, is if I <laughs> open up a pack and I get a Biff Jaeger, oh, that's going to be hurtful. That could damage our relationship. And also, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not going to devalue my box of Star Trek cards by opening it. Oh, man, now I feel like a real dope. <laughs> Just kidding. I'll open, the, I'll open a pack. Uh, cut out uh, the moment where I go find the box. Okay. All right, I've... Got my box of Star Trek cards. It is really, it's a very small box, isn't it? It's like, uh, what's it the size of? It's like the size of... Well, it's smaller than a bread box. Don't make me leave this show, Ben. <laughs> All right, uh, I, have, I have totally destroyed the value of this box. Box Which number, number, box number 5948 is, is the I number... Was, uh, I was in the low four thousands. You were you're like right near the end of the run. That's probably where they put the Jaegers in. They dumped all their unused Jaegers in here. Yeah. They're like, what are we gonna do with all these extra Jaegers? Eh, put them. Just put them in the last few boxes. Oh boy. I'm excited. All right. Uh, I'm holding in my hand a pack of Portfolio Prince Trading Cards Season Series One. A pack of five cards, five whole cards. Very optimistic that this is series one. This game is a five card stud. The game is exceedingly simple. Part of this is just the cards there. Time to pluck a pigeon. Okay. Uh, the card on top is In Theory. Looks like a picture of Lieutenant Commander Data. Uh, he's got he's got some circuitry overlaid onto his face, and he's holding a rose. Do you think that we'll have every episode of the series represented between these two boxes by the time we've got everything opened up? I hope so. That'd be great. That'd be really cool. I mean, not cool, but... Then we sell the whole set on eBay, and then we use that money to buy more boxes. Until think, we get that Biff Jaeger. Do you think that our association with these cards increases or decreases the resale value? <laughs> I think our association with anything decreases whatever's value it is we're talking about. Yeah. Card number two is Lower Decks. Uh, it is... Oh, I remember that episode. That's almost where entirely you, where you, red. That's where you meet all the, uh, all the crewmen who are, like, wondering what, what jobs Riker is going to post them to and stuff. All the lesser thens. Yeah. They don't, all of the they, cooks. They, like, 
wonder about what's going on on the bridge, but they never know. Yeah, it's a couple of hands with eyes in the palms. It's a very red card. Oh, I got a signature card. No way. Card number three is a signature card. It is a it is a Klingon person. <laughs> he is Ma- Sterling Macer Jr. <laughs> uh, from the episode Birthright Part 2. He played oh. the character Tok. T-O-Q. Is that uh is that the episode where like Worf has to uh accept discommendation for the safety of the Empire? You should look up this card. Uh this guy God, I I do not remember him at all. <laughs> you know, usually even minor characters like you'd you'd somewhat recognize, but yeah. I, I think that these packs have given us some great options for people to invite to greatest gen time. Sterling Macer is someone we need to contact. I mean, as long as he's not some weird therapist or a or a new age medical professional. Yeah. I think uh, I think he he seems like a cool hang. Yeah. He's not naked on his card. That's good. That's a good sign. Yeah, Sterling Macer Jr. Uh Unification Part 1 is the fourth card. This is a really cool looking card. Uh it's a picture of the Enterprise with a with a rainbow warp path behind it. Uh cruising Ooh. up to a much larger ship. Cool card. Oh, the fifth card is is from Timescape. And it is it is like a a 60s psychedelic like it looks like a Woodstock poster. <laughs> it's really cool. It's got a it's got a cloud with a smiley face on it. It's pretty far out. That's uh that's a famous image when Picard like what is like time stop on the Enterprise and there's a warp core breach and Picard goes and draws a smiley face in it. Oh, that's right. That's what that's from. Yeah, that's great. Good times. Good, Good times. Card. So you got a signature card in the first pack you opened, and I got a signature card in the first pack I opened. They should exciting. advertise that on the box. I mean, that's a pretty cool feature. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that's pack one of my now destroyed box of Star Trek cards. I hope you're happy, <laughs> fair listener. This is season two, episode fourteen, the Icarus Factor. The uh, they're getting some weird readings on the on the engine readouts, and so they're gonna stop at Starbase Montgomery. And Captain Picard's like, "Hey, like, no big deal. We'll have everybody at Starbase Montgomery check it out. We're going there anyways." And they're like, "What are you talking about? We have no." plans on going to Starbase Montgomery and Picard's like oh yeah we have like some urgent personnel changes that we need to make and uh, it turns out that this is a an opportunity for Riker Riker is being offered the command of a ship called the Ares that's going to some far-flung part of the galaxy to check out some readings that may indicate a intelligent species out there that Starfleet wants to go make contact with and uh and you know it's like a it's a bittersweet moment because it means Riker's going to be leaving the show leaving the ship but it's also the you know it's the dream that he's always had for himself be in command of a starship 
Picard has a great scene here when he when he gives him the news. He's like, uh, you know, the man. I, I remember the first time I met you, watched you manually dock. Remembered how exhilarating it was to see you do that. <laughs> see the way you told the crew to hit the buttons to dock the ship. Yeah, I knew that was a man who was command material, and here you are being offered a command. He he's so said, he's that, so proud. That first time I met you, when you watched the part of the episode that you hadn't been in (laughs) there was a man who knew how to watch tv with the best of them yeah that's when i knew you'd eventually have your own command (laughs) your own marginal recap podcast yeah and and Riker plays it real cool cool to the point where you really aren't sure if he's stoked about this or not yeah, I mean, he's like, he's definitely flattered, but he's not, he's not like, cool, when do I start? He's like, all right, well, uh, I'll need some time to think about this. The way they, they set it up is like, yeah, the Ares is in, like, some far off part of the galaxy. Uh, they're, you know, they may have found life, they may not, who knows? We don't know. Maybe you can find out. Like, it's just a real, it's not a great sales job. As far as the Ares goes, they talk nothing of the ship. No. The ship could totally be a jalopy out there, Yeah, for all we know. Yeah, they should be like, it's it's a ship with six holodecks, Riker. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he probably wants to go look up the crew compliment immediately. Like, <laughs> how many chicks are on board? <laughs> how many of them is, are married? Yeah, not that, not that any of this is going to be limiting in any way. No. I, I think he's kind of a sexual omnivore. <laughs> yeah, I agree. A hole's a hole. Yeah. So, you know, in spite of all this opportunity, Riker has not plowed every hole on the Enterprise. So it's not necessarily time for him to go yet. And he wants to think it over. But a civilian attache is going to beam aboard to uh, brief him on his mission, should he choose to accept it. And uh, some, like, a little bit of little bit of uh, misdirection here with the captain because Riker goes down to the transporter room and it's not just any civilian attache that beams aboard at him. Oh? It's his dad. Yeah, Kyle Riker beams on board looking exactly like Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you get that vibe from him? I don't... Uh... Do you think it's a little weird that that the dad of the most the dad of the show's sexual icon looks so much like the creator of the show i, I don't uh, know I, I never made the connection yeah and kyle himself looks like an upholstered sofa like they gave him a onesie that uh is tragic i think it's the same thing that they make the ferengi wear but it's on a much bigger man so it just stretches out he's rocking a lot of nuck in most of these scenes he looks like a brown eggplant. <laughs> yeah. He uh, looks he looks like Grimace from the <laughs> McDonald Land gang. Uh, beige Grimace? Yeah. <laughs> uh well, as much as as much as that may be the case, uh Riker is not excited to see him. <laughs> Because uh, Riker has big time daddy issues, and uh, we're going to learn all about them in this episode. Yeah, so he beams on board, and he's like, kind of excited to see his son. And Riker's like, 
he he comments to the transporter chief. He's like, uh, yeah, why don't you find a tour guide for this old man? I'm going to beat feet and get back to work. <laughs> like, he's a total asshole to him, to his face. Yeah, a, a full-blown weaponized asshole, I would say. Yeah. it's It seems so out of line because the... I mean, like, I don't know. It's It's... Like this guy comes aboard, he's like friends with everybody on the ship, and Riker like had no idea. Like, like Riker's dad banged Pulaski in the past, and and Pulaski has never mentioned it to him. <laughs> it's one of those things that they're like, they like definitely had this idea in the writers' room. Like, oh, what if like you know, what if he's like buds with some commander when he walks into ten forward, and then he turns and Pulaski's there chugging away on some hard alcohol as his her want and which which she was yeah she's got like a uh, like a beer stein full of vodka <laughs> and uh and uh at a certain point like Riker's like how do we explain the fact that you've never mentioned you had a sexual relationship with my father and uh she's like well it just never came up i think you gotta disclose that you at least know the guy right yeah I mean, Riker's father has got to be, like, a sexual T-1000. <laughs> yeah. We talked a couple episodes ago about, like, the fog machine and its use, but, like, can you imagine the dust in the room when Kyle Riker and Pulaski bang? It's like, like <laughs> clapping two giant erasers together. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of that's just dandruff, but... I mean, and again, we're meant to believe that Pulaski's a sexual being. Yeah. Hard to uh hard to wrap your head around that too. In a science fiction show that might be the biggest leap to take. Well, the uh the undiscovered country, the final frontier, Pulaski's sex life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So like they kiss each other on the mouth and Riker is across the room and ten forward just like Ew. <laughs> Yeah, I also thought that this, this was fun. Riker is sitting there, like, bumming out with Chief O'Brien. It's like, man, like, if there was one person on the ship that you wanted to have, like, a real, like, moody Irish pub-style drink with, yeah, you've got the guy right there. So yeah. good. Nice choice. And, and like, O'Brien just stares them down. <laughs> Riker doesn't do that thing that's like, hey, check that out, but then, like, like... Look back, like don't make it obvious. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. doesn't do that, and for that reason, O'Brien never turns away. Yeah, O'Brien is not slick at all. No, no, he's terrible. He's he's a Jordy level of socially awkward in this scene. <laughs> this is all happening, and at a certain point. Uh, Worf is like trudging through one of the hallways and Wesley the boy is like yapping at his heels and is like Worf did you hear about Riker he's going to another ship he's going to be the captain he's going to be a big boy now and Worf is just in no fucking mood to hear any of the boys optimistic thoughts yeah he's real uh, scrappy dude at that moment everybody needs somebody enough Worf is Worf is more being owner of the abandoned amusement park dressed as a ghoul right 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 um but uh Worf basically tells tells wesley to 
get bent and go fuck himself. And uh, yeah, he's and a so, real grumpy Gus. Yeah, and and so Wesley wanders down to uh, to engineering to talk to Jordy because you know if uh, if anybody's ever in a mood, you want to talk to like the most socially clued in person on the ship about like how we might solve this problem. Right. And so this is the B storyline is Wesley, Jordy and Data trying to figure out what's eating Worf. Yeah, much like Wes asking for relationship advice from everyone, he's just gone around and recruited people to figure out what's wrong with Worf. Mm-hmm. And again, like two of the worst people. Yeah. Not Troy, not Riker, who's actually friends with Worf. Yeah. It's it's the guy who has no emotions and the guy who might as well have no emotions given how poorly he uses them. The guy who in any other time period would probably be a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. uh, He's got all the signs. Yeah. Yeah. Torturing puppies, recalibrating deuterium injectors, everything. That's a biggie. So they do a lot of like, um, you know, what's what's going on with Worf? At one point, Jordy and Data are in ten forward, and they're looking across the way at Worf, who is just staring out the window by himself with his, you know, a lot of tension in his shoulders. And Data comes up with the idea that uh, if it, it might just be that Worf is lonely, so he goes up and uh, takes a real condescending line with Worf, which was is like. You seem to have lost the will to communicate with others. You have friends here. And Orf uh, asked Data to leave in basically the funniest way possible. Jordy Wesley and I were saying, with all due respect, be gone! Good times. This is, I think we've referred to this earlier in season two, the all or nothing Worf exposition. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty Worf-centric episode. To the extent that we have not gotten to know Worf at all in season two up until now. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's funny, like, when we do get to know Worf, he's such an interesting character. Like, the time that Wesley went to ask him about, like, what it's like to be a Klingon in the Federation, and he talks about how his enemy is the difficulty he has with leaving his life in other people's hands and collaboration. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what an interesting idea for a character to be, like, fighting through those kinds of issues and and still, like, be one of the most capable people on the ship. That's something um, you must have glossed over in the job interview. Right. What like, would you say your weaknesses are, Worf? Pretty angry when doors don't open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole door thing is infuriating. Yeah. Uh, I hate working with people. Yeah. I get shocked all the time. <laughs> and where do you see yourself in five years? Dead, hopefully. Uh, the death of a warrior, I think, would be perfect. <laughs> That'd be some, some awesome shit. Yeah. We have a scene in here where Worf goes and sees Riker. And, you know, I, I kind of, before I remembered what this was about, I thought that this was going to be about Worf bumming out because Riker is leaving and he's just real sad that mm-hmm. his friend is being stationed on another ship and he even goes to Riker and asks like if you're going can you put in a special request for me to come with you because like there's going to be some opportunities for combat potentially and if uh, if we all go out there to our deaths like that would be pretty great for me it's tough when your workout partner leaves you and I think that's what Worf is faced with here 
They've had so, a lot of holodeck bonding together. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Worf ever bonds with Riker and his holodeck programs, or is it just a one-way type of, type of deal? I think you'd have to. That's uh, troubling, <laughs> to say the least. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Type to ramble on about something everyone knows. This is like one of those episodes where, you know, we don't really leave the confines of these two stories. There's some scenes where Riker's dad sexually harasses Troy. Yeah, and that scene, Troy does not fucking take it. Like, no, she is not into that shit at all. You can see the light behind her eyes just sort of go out at that moment. Like, yeah. don't even try, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. It's also such like a dad of the future name, too. There are no dads right now named Kyle, yeah. but in the future there will be. Yeah, there totally will be. Like, could you imagine a Grandpa Kyle, Grandpa <laughs> Josh? That's going to happen. Hard to picture, yeah. I know. I, I used to be a vaping sea captain. Now I'm your <laughs> grandfather. <laughs> oh, man, we got such an angry letter about making fun of Captain Josh that one time. Oh, boy. Yeah, we truly did. Uh, I think we were called inconsiderate and mean. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, for the most hack, overused premise that we've probably ever done on the show, which is making fun of somebody for vaping, like, I can't think of a podcast that hasn't had some some drive-by vaping jokes. I had to go back and re-listen to that episode because I was like, there is no way we were as cruel as this guy said we were. Yeah. And sure enough, it was like a five-second throwaway bit. Yeah. And this guy guy wrote five paragraphs. Didn't work for that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, he's off listening to Mission Log now, so he's in a much better place, I think. We should have cut it out, but only because it was like pretty... Hack. Hack. Yeah. Yeah, if a guy wrote us six paragraphs about how hack we are most of the time, I think I would take that message that be for a, action. That would be a sick burn. Yeah, I would respect that. Uh, and and we know. I mean, I mean, we're A, pretty new to podcasting, and B, we don't script this out at all. So any hack there's, jokes, like, please forgive us. There's a reason we're, we're on the culture part of MaximumFun.org and not comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Because we might be one, and we definitely aren't the other. Yeah, calling us culture is pretty generous. <laughs> yeah. So they figure out what's what's going on with Worf, and it is that it's the 10-year anniversary of his Klingon bar mitzvah, and <laughs> he's feeling really lonely that there's no Klingons around, because you're supposed to like put on a big party for, for your 10-year anniversary. And, uh, and so Data, Wesley, and Jordy... Uh, come up with the idea that they are Jor- Worf's family. You know, Worf doesn't have any Klingons to to party with, so they are going to put a, a holodeck Klingon party together for him, and they're going to go into, like, the cultural archives and find out just how you do it, which is uh, a very sweet gesture. It's a bit like, uh, you know, it'd be like me putting on a Passover Seder for my wife's family. Like, I'm sure that I would do many, many things wrong because... I have never put on a Passover Seder, but uh, I think they would appreciate the gesture. They would not appreciate you hitting them with cattle prods (laughs) as pain sticks. Yeah, well, I I have a little visual tracking problem when I read, and I I might, like, get parts of the Klingon thing confused with the the Passover thing. 
Yeah, they they sort of set this this stage for Worf in the holodeck, and it looks pretty badass. It's like a kind of a dungeon scene with a pretty clear path down the middle, and and, uh, and a bunch of platforms on either side of this path where they where they put holodeck Klingons holding these paint sticks. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Pulaski and O'Brien show up for this party. It's a good idea to bring the doctor to a paint stick party. Yeah, and, and you know, O'Brien just loves bar mitzvahs. He doesn't miss him for anything. <laughs> O'Brien is, like, trying to tell Wesley a tall tale about some animal he saw get totally obliterated by a paint stick one time. The animal's head exploded. Like I think that's enough, Chief O'Brien. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I, I, I like this little leitmotif that they're developing with crewmen just telling... Wesley like crazy shit and trying to get him to believe it because <laughs> the doctor at this one is like shut up <laughs> O'Brien's quickly developing into a really fun bit character totally like they're giving him nothing but he's doing everything with it yeah yeah he's uh he's going above and beyond the call he's he's gunning for that uh main cast role on Deep Space Nine he's doing great good job Cole Meany <laughs> yeah Good job, Cole Meany, who the other thing I remember you from is being a cop in Dick Tracy, the film. Oh, really? Yeah. He's a cop at the beginning of Dick, the Dick Tracy film, and I remember that because it's the first film I remember going to see in the theaters, and I was really surprised to see a character from Star Trek in it. He's also a cop in Con Air. Oh, shit, is he? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he almost has a car dropped on him. Well, anyways, Worf's Bar Mitzvah is... Uh, it involves him walking down this central channel as the Klingon warriors standing above him hit him with the the pain sticks. I travel the river of blood. We just got an email from a listener who found his wharf toy from when he was a kid, like the wharf action figure included some pain sticks and he took a picture of these and they're just like comically dildonic looking in the uh in the kenner plastic uh representation of them there is no other thing they could be besides giant dildos like like they must have like repurposed them from some hentai action figure from (laughs) japan right you know like they're like oh we got a a bunch of purple dildos that scale to being about four feet long what are we going to do with them i don't know throw them in with the wharf toys and make them pain sticks or something (laughs) oh man and this uh he sets it up in a little diorama where it's like wharf and Riker, and they're both staring at each other holding these giant dildos it's kind of a perfect scene (laughs) yeah it's like it's like wharf and Riker have made one holodeck program that they can both really get into (laughs) imagine the scenes you could act out with those figures and those props it's really beautiful yeah so he just walks down the middle of this channel and gets gets pain stickified and uh, yells a lot of shit in English and Klingon. The fire of the vanquish flows over my hands. The idea is that you're supposed to confide your your innermost feelings. At those moments. So you say something that's very personal to you, and then you get stabbed. Yeah. And then you do it again and again and again until you arrive at the end, where John Tesh 
hits you with a pain stick. John Tesh in Klingon regalia hits you with a pain stick. This is true. Did you know this? No. He plays one of the Klingons in this scene. Holy shit. Yeah. Entertainment Tonight's John Tesh. That's great. Yeah. A true E.T. Yeah. Oh, God. You know uh, what? I agreed to that after it processed, and now I'm disgusted with myself. <laughs> I thought that was okay. You were dad-joking the shit out of this episode. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, he gets to the end, and it's like it's like the end of a uh, an S and M scene when the uh, <laughs> when the masochist like thanks the sadist for abusing them. He unzips the leather mask and finally <laughs> takes a couple of breaths. That was worth bonding with his his crewmates. And I felt real strange that Riker wasn't there for this. Because, A, Riker might be leaving soon. And it'd be a nice way to, like, you know, wish Worf well. Yeah, he should have been there. You're right. They're best buds. Yeah. Doesn't make any damn sense. Just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence. Moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt it. Yeah, well, Riker was busy engaging in American Gladiator-style joust with his dad. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the Riker and his dad argument come to a head, and, it, and, uh, and Kyle challenges Commander Riker to... What is it? It's not Jitkundo, it's... Anbo Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Sport of the future. Yeah, which is... Uh, you put on a bunch of miscellaneous hockey and baseball pads, and then uh, Luke Skywalker, like you, lower a blast <laughs> shield over your eyes so you can't see what the fuck you're doing. With the blast shield down, I can't even see. How am I supposed to fight? And then you uh, you swing a big uh, Q-tip at <laughs> at your dad. It's very important that you do this against your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you can barely make out the Fox Racing logo in their in their motocross. Yeah, their painted they, motocross outfits. They like, like spray painted over it, but it's like a little bit raised on the helmet. And like they speak really broken Japanese to each other. <laughs> This scene may be more racist than Code of Honor. It really? is really Oh yeah, I was horrified. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying like I'm not saying it's not super duper racist. I'm just saying that like Code of Honor like holy shit. Frakes overpronounces the Japanese like like someone like someone trying too hard at a sushi restaurant. Like <laughs> like it's really it, it's really gross. I don't know. It skeeved me out. I didn't like it. Fair enough. There's a bunch of glyphs around the stage, around and on the stage, yeah. and uh, and I look that up. Those are like the those are the glyphs for like water and fire and earth and and wind, mm-hmm. earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> the band. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, and they are they are winging Q-tips at each other and delivering exposition in between blows. And uh, what what winds up happening is that uh, Kyle pulls a pulls a cheap shot on Riker. Riker gets real like morally outraged and realizes that his dad has been defeating him in this sport 
his entire life by using an illegal move. And uh, it kind of embarrasses Kyle Riker that that he's been caught with this gambit. You know, he's like very competitive with his son. And the only way he's been able to win all these all these years is by essentially cheating. Yeah, I mean, the conversation up to that point, though, is like about who loved Riker's mom more. Riker was a uh, Will Riker was a kid when his mom died. And he's super pissed at Kyle for how that all went down in the aftermath. And Kyle's like, she was my wife. I loved her more than you possibly could. You were just a little kid in diapers. Yeah. Like, like don't, don't big dog me about grief. Right. And, uh, and Will Riker just can't get it through his head. He's, he's totally insulted by, by the aftermath of her death. That's some real shit, I feel like. I think families get in a lot of trouble when they sort of griefier than thou other people in the family like yeah. like the way you're processing grief isn't the same way i process grief so uh you're clearly being a shithead like right. i feel like that happens all the time and that's a reason for a lot of family conflicts mm-hmm. and uh you know you would hope that by the uh 24th century or whatever that shit would be kind of ironed out look and, i uh, put your mom's body into a torpedo tube <laughs> and I shot her out into space, <laughs> like her final wishes were. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to do what, what baby Will Riker wants me to do, which is, like, turn her into some weird hologram statue. Yeah. I mean, these are two dudes that sweat a mental health professional. And you would think that either of them would ever have talked about this to her <laughs> and then sought some kind of professional help with it, you know? Well... Yeah, and Riker had a Will Riker had a bunch of chances as well in this scene, but he instead used that time for fucking mm-hmm. because uh, at one point in the episode, Rike, Will Riker has made the decision to leave the ship and go to the Ares. Right. And so one of the goodbyes he says is to Deanna. He goes into her quarters, and we know to feel sad in this scene because the music is beating us over the head with how sad the scene is. She's a puddle of both tears and other things, and Riker holds her close <laughs> when we when we cut back to the B story. But, I mean, clearly they had one last romp before he takes off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goodbye, sex. can be very cathartic. Yeah. Yeah, he pops off one last blast and then goes to <laughs> kill his dad in the squared circle. Yeah, and so uh, they reconcile at the end of of their Q-tip fight, and right. I guess at this point, Will Riker decides not to leave the ship. He is he has flip flopped on his decision. Right, I think the last scene is they're getting ready to pull out, and uh, and Picard is like, "Well, now that we don't have Riker here, uh, we're gonna have some adjusting to do, but." <laughs> Let's, uh, let's get the show on the road and Riker pops off the turbo lift and uh, announces that uh, as an act of self-interest, he's going to stay aboard the Enterprise as the uh, first officer. The end. They didn't. I, I wish they'd cut to Worf just like on like, oh, thank God. Yeah, he's he's got to be pumped that his yeah. bestie's sticking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Worf is right back to work after his pain sticking too. Like evidently that didn't put him down for long. Yeah, he can take it. Unlike he's, that, he's got to look like he's been through a paintball fight, though, uh, yeah. without oh, any protection. Under that shirt. 
just very black and blue. Yeah, yeah, totally messed up. Darmok, Angelad, and Tanaga. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Angela. 
I thought one of my favorite scenes from this episode was uh, was when Riker is going to get counsel from Picard about mm-hmm. the decision to as to whether to take the command job or not. Yeah. Picard's like, yeah, dude, it's pretty badass to be captain. I got to admit. <laughs> like, don't tell anybody, but this is fucking great. Yeah, he treats it like a secret, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of awesome. Like, yeah. uh, like, hey, uh, you'll understand when you're a captain, but pretty cool. <laughs> the key uh, is finding yourself a young ensign to groom. Yeah. Did you see a drunk Shimoda in your viewing? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I am going to put O'Brien up on the drunk Shimoda board for the second episode in a row. This episode for his just kind of like being a fun guy who's like drinking around with Riker and then going to Worf's bar mitzvah party. Like, he's just like, he's like not really there to drive any narrative or serve any function other than to like show up to the party and like do what, what is party appropriate at the time. (laughs) Good one. Yeah. I'm down with that. How about yourself? Uh, my choice was Kyle Riker. To me, I think... Is it because you... his helmet fits so weird in that one scene? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, in the, uh, in the Anbo Jiu-Jitsu scene, his helmet is totally cockeyed. Yeah. It's like, why didn't you guys fix that? It just looks so weird. Kyle Riker knows without question that he's been estranged from his son for like 15 years and thinks for some reason it's a good idea to surprise him. <laughs> at basically like the inflection point of his career like this is a major deal Riker's got a huge decision to make he's got to be clear-headed about it oh you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna personally help him through this my son who hates me right. and that kind of like social blindness to me reads as incredibly Shimoda like like mm-hmm. you gotta know you gotta know the situation better than that bud so my vote is for Kyle Riker yeah. Come on, man. Stop pulling all those isolinear chips out of your son. Yeah, bad surprise, dude. Bad surprise. What episode do we have coming up next time? Next episode is season two, episode 15, Pen Pals. Data races against time to save the life of a little alien girl on a planet doomed for destruction. Destruction. <laughs> you remember the sound? <laughs> well, I think any time... Anytime you can combine uh, a data-centric episode with a child actor, you got to do it. So uh, I don't remember this episode at all, and I have no reason to. This sounds terrible. kind of want to veto this. You want to veto this? Yeah, well, I'm thinking about it. I don't know. This, this sounds pretty crummy. I mean, and I'm not going <laughs> to blame you for your, your read on it. Uh, it's not your fault. Would it would it help if I read it as Picasby? <laughs> it always helps when you're Picasby, <laughs> but I don't know. If- you see, Data is racing against time <laughs> to save the life of a little alien Theo <laughs> on a planet doomed for destruction. <laughs> I'm your father. <laughs> oh yeah, that actually really helped. I think I'm excited to watch this one. <laughs> I think I just saved the episode. You did. <laughs> You Picosby'd it away from danger, which is not something that Picosby typically does. No. Picosby is usually uh, the most dangerous part of the ship. Yeah. All right. 
Well, uh, let's do it, I guess. <laughs> I won't veto either. I like this episode. I am locute as a board. You will respond to my questions. I am locute as a board. You are bored. Well, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Adam is at Cut for Time. I'm at Benjamin AHR. And our popular hashtag, Greatest Gen, is where most of all the fun chatter goes on every week. You can also find our Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash greatest generation. We have two Reddits. You got the mainline Maximum Fun Reddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Maximum Fun. And then you've also got slash greatest gen. Yeah, I would say if you've got if you've got good things to say, use the Maximum Fun uh, Reddit page. If you've got criticism of any kind, you should probably uh, take that over to its private Reddit account. And uh, we're having a lot of fun over there, and I think you will too. Yeah, if at any time you feel like supporting the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. And listen to the other shows on our lovely network. There's uh, a nearly endless list. You've got Adam Ruins Everything. You've got Bullseye. You've got Can I Pet Your Dog. You've got Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Oh my god. Like, I feel like we could list five great shows on Maximum Fun every show, and we'd run out of Star Trek cards quicker. You could list 20 McElroy podcasts, but I'll just say, listen to a ton of McElroy podcasts. Those guys are really funny. Yeah. Well, with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and also whatever this is. We're doing our best. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.